Hello, and welcome to Gaming for Geezers. I'm Nelson. I'm Mr. Krusty. And here is our review of Bioshock, the original. Bioshock 1, not Bioshock 2. Uh, you can. This is the companion podcast to Gaming for Geezers at GamingForGeezers.com. Um, Mr. Krusty, what's going on with you? Well, you know, this is interesting. This is a game that uh, I got and uh, kind of put away, and then I brought it out again. And this is actually one of the things I like about certain games. You know, you just keep coming back into them because they freak you out. And so I'm actually looking at my collection and saying, okay, well, what are other games that I've freaked out? So I've actually pulled Fear off the table. Um, I've, uh, you know, I've uh, kind of looking out there. Um, I haven't played Left 4 Dead, you know, and I'm kind of a zombie aficionado. Really? So, Yeah. Scary enough. My wife actually refuses <laughs> to go to movies with me because there will always be someone eating someone else uh, in a very bad way, uh, not in a good way. So, you know, wait, there's... Wait, stop, stop, stop. What, what, what is a good way to eat somebody else? Well... Like uh, al dente or poached? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, like Hannibal Lecter or, you know, no. Ah, okay. No. Um, so, you know, so this is, uh, this is one of those things that... Um, you know, sometimes you, when you're looking at a game and you're going to do a review, you kind of go back into the backstory and all the chapters of all the games you've played and go, oh, yeah, you know what? I like that. I like that freak out. So, you know, I've actually been going through my uh, my uh, whole collection here and, and trying to identify what are other ones that freak me out. So how about you? What's going on? Um, well, with regards to Bioshock, I just, I just played it again uh, last month um, and... God, I love this game, and I think you played it because I said you have to play this game, yeah. uh, so we can review it because it is so good. Well, uh, yeah, and and it's different than some of the games we've reviewed, but I think that's a that's a positive shift for us. <laughs> We're growing up, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm so, gonna I'm gonna do some clicking on my mouse, so so you might hear it because my mic is so sensitive; it picks up my mouth breathing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's, that's, that's okay. You know. Okay, so uh, I want to rem- remind our listeners about kind of what our criteria is, just briefly, and that is games either suck or they don't suck. You should either buy them or not buy them, because that's the decision you have to make as a game player: is should you go buy this game? And when you when you when you hear a PC game review, you should get a definitive answer, and and that's kind of that's kind of our twist on the PC game review model. Um, we also use Battlefield 2142 as our benchmark. And that's strange, but it won't be so strange when you realize after playing that game that it is the best game in the universe. It's, it's aligned the planets. Um, uh, there are scientists in uh, southern Iowa that have used Battlefield 2142 to cure cancer in mice. And we're pretty sure that uh, Secretary of State Clinton has delivered thousands of copies of Battlefield 2142 to the Gaza Strip, which is pretty, pretty, which pretty much guarantees that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is going to come to an end soon. Yes, I, 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 I think so. Yes. I think so. So with, with that, uh, we're going to launch into our first game review that does not fit our criteria perfectly, uh, but it's so good it overcomes that. Yeah, and, and what's what's interesting about you know single player games, which is this is a single player game, and normally you know uh, I, I sit 
and go, oh boy, I'm going to be locked into some kind of storyline that I'm just going to have to zip through. And, um, you know, it's not going to be any good. The missions are going to suck. The AI blows. You know, the environments are going to be kind of baloney. You know, this is one of those scenarios where not only is the storyline really compelling, like really good, but it works on so many other levels. It works on, um, you know, uh, it, it, it works on a conceptual level, but then it also the gameplay is just fantastic. And you have multiple kinds of choices you can make, and they affect the outcome of the game. Yeah. So, so why don't you go into the backstory a little bit so people can can get a little bit more about it. Well, backstory is a it's 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 marketed as kind of a horror uh, video game. You 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 are you are it's a first person shooter, and you play uh, an individual, a, a guy uh, who is who is um, crash landed in an airplane in the middle of the ocean, and you find your way to a place called Rapture, which is a fascist underwater city built by a Donald Trump type character who tries to control every aspect of this underwater utopia he's tried to, to, to build. Um, elements of the plot include references to communism uh, and also includes uh, criticism of capitalism, too. So the, 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 um, the canvas that's trying to be painted is of this kind of this world that doesn't have a place in the traditional left versus right, uh, capitalist versus communist uh, society. Um, you get greeted by a radio call from a gentleman who needs help, uh, your help, uh, to free his wife and kids because something has gone very wrong in Rapture and the place is literally being run by the lunatics. Um, everybody's gone crazy with the exception of you the voice you hear on the other end of the radio, the 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 designer and builder of Rapture, and just a few other people, and you make your way through these environments and try to save the day. Well, yeah, and it has this kind of desert island aspect of it, right? You're you're basically marooned in this situation, and you got to solve some problems, and you have to do some missions and complete objectives. Um, and, uh, you know, that uh, structure usually is pretty successful, but when you combine it with the, um, the kind of perverse, uh, uh, let's just say, commentary of kind of what human beings will do to each other, that's where this horror aspect shows up. And um, you have, you know, this doctor doing experiments, you have gene splicing, um, you have special powers based on, you know, different kinds of plugins, basically, that you, you can take on. Um, and then there's a good old wrench to just whack the shit out of people. Yes. So, you know, you know, this is, uh, and guns and, you know, all sorts of different kinds of things. So, yeah, the, the, the gameplay is actually, I think, pretty compelling. So, you know, n no, it's not multiplayer, but yes, wow, what a great game. Yeah, um, and... So this is unusual for us to to rate a game that is not sucking, uh, that does not have a multiplayer. But he, here's why: uh, this game has the most amazing visual environment uh, that I've seen in a long time. Right. Uh, it is underwater, so you have constant dripping. You have you have tree farms, you have theaters, you have underground malls, you have doctors' offices, 
and none of these visual environments are repetitive or just kind of recycled. Each environment you enter um, is so rich in detail and so different from the last one, you feel like this is an entirely new world. Right. Uh, I love that part of the game. Well, and and it does fit in our in our criteria. It has multiple types of maps, and it has lots of compelling environments. And and you engage with that environment in lots of different kinds of ways. You have to solve problems by crawling through, you know, uh, basically little crawl spaces and and ducks to be able to get places. You have to um, maneuver basically around everything from uh, electric, almost like barbed wire, to you know, uh, up and down broken stairs. Uh, there's water all over the place from broken pipes. There's you have to melt ice through a variety of different tools that you have. Um, there's telekinesis, so in other words, you're grabbing stuff from the environment and using that as a weapon, which is one of the first games that actually did that, um, and 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 do it in a way that actually advanced the uh, the the storyline. Yeah, th- this is this is a really fantastic environment, and um, you know, it's all Art Deco. It's all come from basically the the, the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, you know, the pre-war uh, sort of design era. And so there's a lot of familiar aspects to it. And then it lay on top of that new technology, and then lay on top of that the destruction, and then lay on top of that the underwater. And you have a very rich kind of mix. I like it a lot. Yeah, I did too. The, the characters you run into were very detailed and very different. Um, you know, this is a horror game, but, you know, most of these guys are wearing bunny masks or what look like Mardi Gras masks. So they don't, they don't achieve the horror aspect of this with um, scaring you visually. They do it by jumping out at you uh, and, and frightening you. And just, just kind of the overall canvas is such that you know there's all these crazy people. And some of them are crawling on the ceilings uh, because they've somehow developed that ability. Um, it, you'll never go through this game and think, God, they just cut corners here uh, right. because they right. did such a wonderful job. Well, and, and there's another aspect to that in that, you know, whenever you have a really good visual environment, you need a really good auditory, uh, like audio environment. And the audio environment in this game is so beyond what most games have. Uh, you go through the game and you're actually, because most of the population of this world has been somewhat decimated or destroyed by the, the crazy folk. Um, you have these reminders and you have these ghosts and, and you have these recordings of various people along the way. And the, the narrative is actually advanced more through you know, these recordings that you find of folks in their day-to-day lives um, as much that as you know, uh, the narrative structure of you moving through a series of missions or having basically a big voice from the sky tell you something. It's, it's actually integrated into the game, and you can choose to listen or not, but it's actually helpful to do so. And so, you know, it's almost, um, uh, it becomes an objective in itself to piece basically what happened to this environment so that you can actually maneuver in the environment. And I think that's, that's really important. Yeah, and, you know, this is such a testament to the labor of love that was Bioshock in that the, you know, beyond, beyond the little recordings you find... I think it was absolutely haunting that you could hear this mentally ill person talking to themselves 
around the corner. Um, and, you know, it was clear that they were, you know, something that was very wrong in the head with these people. Yeah. Um, and it was just so haunting to hear that, you know, singing to themselves or, or talking to somebody who wasn't there. And then they see you and they scream and they say, I'm going to kill you or whatever they said. Um, I loved coming up to the vending machines that you bought and, you know, the, they had a generic one that said, welcome to the circus of values or, or the, uh, the uh, stereotypical Mexican guy who sold ammo. Uh, they had a picture of a Mexican guy on the vending machines and I can't remember what he says, but it was, it was just absolutely cliche uh, Mexican character voice. Um, and you know the drips, uh, the screams, uh, the the audio environment is just perfect. Well, there's there's uh, also, frankly, the, the music, the soundtrack, really ties in kind of the time frame, like the the time scale on on this. You know, it it's all Billie Holiday, and uh, you know, um, and you can hear the scratch and the nicks in it. It's very believable in terms of how they brought all the design characteristics, you know, the, the visual characteristics into the audio design. And I think that's, that's really smart. I mean, they did it just a great job. It's, it's a true auditory environment. And it's one of the few games that has done it at a very, very high level. I, I love that part of this game. Now, the gameplay itself is it's fairly straightforward. Uh, it's, it's fairly typical. You, I call it Guns and Atom, uh, which is kind of akin to having swords and spells. Um, you have... You know all sorts of weapons you can find. You have guns, wrenches, um, uh, objects, crossbows, yeah, you know, objects, uh, shotguns, pistols, machine yeah. guns, uh, <laughs> launchers, uh, grenades, a, a whole bunch of things. And, and the neat thing about the weapon systems that they use is that uh, each one is very different. It affects different different objects differently. Uh, you can freeze somebody and then run up and hit them with a wrench and they break into pieces. Or you can catch them on fire and they can run around and eventually die. Uh, and ammo uh, was a very critical, important part of this game. You had to watch your ammo because it wasn't just so available uh, that you never had to worry about it. So you had to think very hard about what to shoot and what with. Well, and I think that's a criteria of a really good single single player game which is the choices you make have a huge impact on your ability to make it through the game and and you know if you're just you know firing away like a normal uh first person shooter um you're really gonna uh you're gonna lose this game really fast and so that you know there's an aspect which is believable and known and it falls kind of in that in that characteristic of, of something that's that's that gamers kind of understand. And then there's this perverse, really weird part about this game. And that's about the atom. So uh, the premise of this game is that uh, there's been some gene splicing and they've developed some technology to be able to give you some somewhat superpowers. These superpowers are powered um, first by kind of a plug-in upgrade that actually alters your gen genetic you know, material. And But uh, it, then you have to go and get this atom stuff, and this atom stuff can be found in a variety of different ways, um, and um, and that gives you more powers. It upgrades certain parts of you. It gives you ways of of uh, uh, you know basically improving your character. 
the problem is, is you have to harvest this from the environment. And the way that you harvest is, uh, boy, um, is through basically harvesting these gene, genetically uh, altered um, people. And uh, this, is, uh, this is kind of a freaky part of the game. Uh, do you want to go a little bit more into this? Yeah, I, actually, I, I never did what I think you just described. And, and what I think Mr. Cresty is talking about is what I think is the most compelling, and I hate to steal that word from you, Mr. Cresty, but it is so compelling, uh, these little sisters. And what they are is these little uh, three- and four-year-old girls who are all the same height and same weight, and the only distinction between them is some are blonde, some are black-haired. And they walk around uh, 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 this environment with this big, huge syringe and jab it over and over again into dead people to harvest Adam out of them. Um, and they're guarded by Mr. Bubbles, which is this about seven-foot-tall uh, creature with immense arms and legs that looks like he's wearing a deep-sea diver suit, and he protects them. Um, now, you have a choice in this game. Um, you can harvest Adam from these little girls, or you can rescue them and release them and uh, take take their kind of zombie trance away from them so they turn back into normal little girls. And I have to tell you, um, I first played this game before I had little girls, and I have two, and they're about this age. Uh, and I still... I still couldn't shoot them or hurt them, even before I had kids. And now that I do have two little girls, I can't even imagine doing it. Um, what was your take on the little sisters, Mr. Cresty? Yeah, it just freaks me out. This the whole game freaks me out. I mean, you know, there's lots of like dark corners. There's, uh, you know, but to basically have the way you basically you make a choice every time you defeat one of these Mr. Bubbles that um, uh, you can harvest or you can release. Um, and uh, basically, you know, harvesting, I haven't, I didn't do that because yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not into that, but um, I could see how making that choice would really make, you know, a radically different ending because, you know, I've, I played this to the end and, and, uh, but I didn't do any kind of harvesting. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you know, for me, uh, that's probably one of the avenues I probably need to do in, in terms of being fair in terms of the review. I, I don't know what that end game is, but uh, you know, this is a compelling. And again, you know, if you can have like this kind of uh, emotional response, you know, that gets triggered in a game, that you know, these choices are actually you know moral choices that you have to kind of make, and they have an effect. I think that's a that's a really uh, amazing way to to run a game, you know, the gameplay, and uh, I like this game a lot. I think it, they did a great job. It was brilliant. I I haven't seen the alternative inning either, and I I guess we could watch it on YouTube. I, Probably it's out there. Uh, but the first time I did, I literally welled up with tears. Uh, <laughs> it sounds sappy, and it is, but uh, it was it was I was that invested. In the outcome of this game, it was it was so amazing, and it's it's probably the reason I play it over and over, in that you get so invested in helping these little defenseless girls. Oh, you're such a sucker! Uh, I am. I really am. <laughs> I mean, I mean, 
Some, I will up in a McDonald's commercial sometimes if there's some oh, you know, kid boy. who's been harmed or is sad. Uh, yeah. it, it, I'm kind of a wuss that way. Okay. <sighs> okay. We'll, we'll, we'll be easy on you. Yeah, okay. So, so, you know, in terms of kind of like our matrix, you know, for, for looking at these games, you know, we have great environments, lots of maps, and they're really, really interesting. The, the audio landscape lends that in a huge way. Uh, the playing strategies, there's multiple playing strategies. There's, you know, you can, you can go one way or the other. I mean, you can choose to not listen to the audio and, and you can choose to, um, you know, to play just one of the superpowers, you know, telekinesis, for instance. Um, and you can pretty much run the game just playing in a specific kind of role. Uh, you know, you can choose to harvest or not. Um, I, I think this works in terms yeah. of our game review. It, it you know, it hits basically the multiple playing strategies. Um, yeah, the leveling up is really, really well thought out too. You you have to make good choices because if you don't have the right tools with you, some some hurdles in this game are very difficult to overcome. Uh, for example, you have to have fire uh, for, for to get through one challenge, and you're rewarded if you have it. Uh, you could probably get through with another tool, but you really need to think long and hard about what you use. You have limited resources in this game. Yep. Um, you have a chance about halfway through to start building uh, ammunition and tools with little items that you pick up, and you have to think long and hard about that. Uh, by the way, build, build the exploding shotgun shells, because those are very useful. They kill just about everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, and... And the other aspect of this game that we haven't described is that you have little puzzles everywhere with the with the vending machines. You have to click on this screen and then route this pipe uh, from one end to the other. It sounds weird, but it's it's very enjoyable, and you do, you can do it ten or twenty times on each screen or each load up. It's actually really I love this part. And I think, you know, this could have been really bad. Like, I've seen, uh, there's several games that you had to, you know, pick locks, and basically you just had to, you know, spam a, a, a number of keys to be able to make make it work. This is something where you, it's actually like a mini-game within the game. Yeah, and, and it's, it's done well. And it's done well, but what's great is that you get to a certain point in the game where you've done enough, and you're like, oh, fuck, i got to do another one of these? Fuck me. <laughs> right. But then they give you the tool that does it automatically, and you can build those tools to actually hack things automatically. So the developers were really smart, right? You, you get to a certain point in the game where uh, something could be monotonous and, frankly, really kind of dr drag down the gameplay, and then they give you a means to kind of get around that. And they were pretty consistent about that strategy throughout the whole game, so that by middle part of the game, you've actually had three or four different kind of playing experiences by playing, you know, different kinds of plasmids, they call them, um, uh, different kinds of superpowers or whatever you want to, you know, frame it. Uh, and, and that was really important to me because the environments actually became quite different. And you saw different things in the environments depending on what tools you're using. If you're using telekinesis, I was always looking for the gas canisters because you throw those, they blow up and they destroy quite a bit of stuff. You yeah. know, and but if you don't have telekinesis and you meet certain characters, you're toast. So, you know, but in other places, it's completely useless. In fact, in many places, you really don't even need it on the board. So making those choices uh, is, is important. But you know, getting back to this uh, vending machine aspect, you know, this is something the developers did really well. But you also have to crack safes. 
Yep. And in cracking safes, you actually you get a reward, and it's commensurate with the difficulty of the of the puzzle. And I actually was tracking this while I was playing. The puzzles are actually radically differently, uh, you know, timed. They they're actually much more difficult. Um, and some of them you're just not going to be able to do in the time frame unless you do it three, four, or five times. So you can kind of understand the level of speed and difficulty you're going to have to apply. I think it's good. Yeah. I, they did a great job with that. The, the other novel thing about this game is, was the camera. And uh, about one level in, you get a camera, and you're tasked with taking pictures for a guy who wants, you know, for some reason, he wants photographs of, of different creatures within the game. And the more you take, uh, you you get you get leveled up on your ability to defeat these creatures if you take enough pictures of them. Um, and again, they don't they they thought this through. You can't just kill something and take 30 pictures of it and then level up. You have to take a picture of something that is alive, and you only get you get full credit for it when you take a picture the first time, and you get extra credit if you take a picture of multiple creatures at the same time. And that also adds some aspect of, to the horror part of this because it's hard to get close to a creature and take a picture of it and then switch out your weapon and shoot it because it's going to see you eventually. And it's even more frightening when you have three, three creatures or characters in your screen who, who have seen you and are running towards you. And then you get uh, you, you can max out your credit by taking a picture of more than one creature who is in action, which means coming at you. Uh, well, and, and the great thing is that they actually put a little pause in this thing, right? Yeah. So, so the picture comes up, and then there's a little pause. You're like, oh, my God, they're running at me. And so there's this millisecond, maybe, or a little bit more, right, of... Wow, you you're about to get really really fucked up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So so there there there's some really good ways that they've managed you know the timing and these tools. Again, for me, it just becomes another objective in in the game. But uh, in terms of the the heightened you know horror aspect of this, and it's not necessarily horror; it's just really creepy. Um, you know, it, it, they've done a good job. These designers uh, for this game really did something different here. I like it. Yeah. So let's go through our checklist. Um, is this a great multiplayer online experience? No, it's not. But it, the single player is so good, it doesn't matter. Yes, I agree. Um, teamwork and smarts? No. But you need to be smart in this game, and you need to think about it. And again, um, you know, decisions and choices um, make a difference in the yes. gameplay. The smart game player, the smart geezer, will do well in this game if they yeah. stop and think. It's not just a run and hit the buttons as fast as you can type of game, which is so critical in the geezer framework. Yeah. Uh, shoot somebody, check. Lots yeah. of shooting, lots of different ways to shoot them. Yep. Uh, replayability. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I played this game about, or I played it about once a year since it came out, and I can't say that about, about many games. No, and, and you know what's interesting is that um, you know, I just fired it up just to make sure I had everything um, correct in terms of this review. And wow, it's still really good. Yeah. It still freaks me out. You know, and the gameplay is still fantastic. So, you know, this is um, this is one I, I definitely will keep, um, and I'll keep firing up. I think it's uh, very good. And and I do think that this is one of those geezer friendly uh, games. It's while it's single player, which means you can control the t amount of time that you're playing in it. Um, it's, uh, you know, you have defined objectives, you have defined instances, the missions make sense, uh, the upgrades, 
and the capacity to keep you kind of engaged in the storyline makes sense. The uh, finding kind of these narrative, these these story recordings keeps you and reminds you of what the story is and what you're fighting for. And um, you know, we need lots of reminders at our age. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so uh, you know, it, it, all that kind of plays into keeping you engaged in a, in a game that you can actually put away for a year, come back to, and it's still just as good as it was. So uh, it gives us a massive, massive does not suck. Yeah, massive does not suck. <laughs> <clears throat> so go buy this game. Go buy this game. You can buy it uh, as of today. You can buy it for 20 bucks new. Um, the best, the best uh, FAQ and guide that you will need is on GameSpot. And it's published by 2K Games. That's at www.2kgames.com. I think you can still probably buy this in some stores. Not a lot, but definitely on eBay. You can you can catch a, a used copy, and there's no user restrictions. So you can install a, a used copy if you have the disc and the key. I don't think they have any uh, way of stopping you on that because it was published in 2007 uh, before the publishers started figuring out how to do that. Um. Anything else, Mr. Cresty? I, I think that's it. You know, um, love to hear uh, from our listeners. Uh, we'll uh, continue to improve, and uh, hope you guys uh, will uh, continue to listen. Um, my name is Mr. Cresty, and I'm Nelson. And you can reach us at www.gamingforgeezers.com. You can email us at gamingforgeezers at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and we are on iTunes. And so with that, buy Bioshock 1. It does not suck. It does not suck.